This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 16. I'm P.F. Wilson, the content director for Cincy Shirts and our sibling site, OldSchoolShirts.com. Today on our show, Brady and Nick from Hen of the Woods, a Cincinnati-based snack food company known primarily for their potato chips. We're driving down 75, coming back from Dayton with a, like, ratchet strap in the back of a truck, and it's like a nine-foot wall behind a pickup truck, and cases came open. Chips showered. Not, not a whole rain. lot. Then it started to rain, and these are cardboard boxes. And we finally got it down to our shop and over the Rhine and wheeled it in the garage. They started off with notions of having a restaurant but fell into the potato chip business. We'll find out how. And uh, we're also going to find out if they have any plans to open that restaurant in the future. Hmm, we'll see. We'll also find out about how potato chips are made and how they get those great flavors into the potato chips, those great flavors that those guys are known for there. So let's listen in as Darren and I talk to Brady and Nick from Hen of the Woods. We're here with uh, Brady and Nick from uh, Hen of the Woods, which is a uh, local potato chip brand, but... uh, I'd like to hear you, uh, your story. You guys have been in business for a while, and I, if I remember right, potato chips wasn't the end game when you first got together. So I, I always like the difference, you know, the different changes that businesses take throughout the years, and you, you know, you might fail at this or this doesn't work out, and then uh, then it all comes together in this unexpected harmony, I guess. But I guess you guys can tell me if that's uh, accurate or not. So yeah. Uh, well, I guess you can't fail if you don't actually ever ever get to the to the end goal. Um, but That's we uh, we started to uh, put together a, like a restaurant and market uh, across the street from from your OTR space, and in the middle of kind of the uh, pre development phase, we were cooking at a farmers market in Washington Park, and one night we put red wine vinegar chips on a salad as a gluten free crouton. And, uh, and that's where it kind of all took off. And probably two years later, we sort of pivoted from that to, to becoming a a snack food brand and putting the restaurant and market project, uh, behind us. That's awesome. So So these aren't potato chips. These are actually fine. These are gourmet croutons. They're (laughs) gluten-free croutons substitute. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, just yesterday on Instagram, somebody tagged us, and they were using the chili con queso chip as part of their batter for making, I think, fried chicken. Oh, um, wow! So you can use it for whatever you want. Wow, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, the, market, the market. What was right what, what other kind of things you were producing at the market? You said you just did the, the chips on a whim. What kind of things? I mean, we were making sandwiches, uh, all sorts of prepared food items. We did different popcorn flavors. We did weird stuff like cotton candy. We were doing like root beer cotton candy. Sodas. uh, Yeah, house-made sodas. It was like a a Monday night thing at the Farmer's at Washington Park. Um, 3CDC organized it, and uh, we had just started to put the plans together for the restaurant, so we were like, oh, let's... Let's just do it. Awesome. So yeah, we were setting up tents every every Monday night and kind of cooking whatever we felt like. So, was, so you guys have a culinary background? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, only job I pretty much ever had is in restaurants since I was I don't know fifteen or sixteen or maybe even fourteen is when I got my first job at Michael G's. Used to be down Kellogg Avenue. Had a pool out back. It was yeah, sweet. Not too shabby. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then Nick and I met. I was working at Nicola's. And over the Rhine, and Nick just moved back into town, and he got a job there, and we met there, and then Nick moved out to a different restaurant and called me up shortly thereafter and asked if I wanted to come out there. That was the Quarter Bistro in Marymount. 
So we started working there in 2007. Sounds about right. Worked out there for a few years, and then I left and kind of got out of restaurants and wanted yeah. to try and do something else, and then hooked back up with him in 2014 uh, when the restaurant market was just kind of, they had the space, and he was trying to figure out what the next moves were, and so I kind of came on board to kind of do whatever, not really cook, but just kind of help manage and that kind of stuff, and uh, yeah, we had, I think, three kettle chip accounts then uh, it was cheap side 1215 and sprout which was up in mount adams no longer around and yeah that was like 2014 and then we were like hey we should we should try and do more of this yeah focus so. on this <laughs> so what kind of challenges were you having with uh opening the restaurant that finally i mean the restaurant business in general i mean super competitive and super uh grueling uh, as far as like the hours and everything, I can't imagine uh, everything that has to go into, uh, you know, getting a successful restaurant off the ground. But so what what were some of the issues you faced early with uh, with that? I mean, there are a lot starting from the from scratch on a building that's never been a restaurant is is always a, a challenge. Um, we had a, a loan in place and where we were in pre-development and. You know, there was just something, something that was just kind of burning inside me that said, you know, maybe we want to hold off on this right now. And it, it was, you know, kind of bouncing around in my head for a long time. And I wish, uh, I wish that we had made the decision sooner, honestly, than, than we did. That was probably in hindsight, that that's my biggest regret was still kind of moving everything forward in that direction. Um, and not just kind of following the path that would, that we eventually decided to go down. Um, and I think, I mean, we, at that time, Brady, myself, Jason, Tristan, my wife, I mean, we're all still there. We've added some other members to the team as well since then, but the, the, the core of us were, were there back then and we're all still there. So. I think we, I think we all agree that we made the right decision. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, we all kind of got used to working nine to fives as well, and having our weekends free. And oh yeah, able to take some vacations here and there, and not having to work on the holidays. And so it's all the things that after we did the chips and just the, trying to develop the restaurant, which was kind of a nine to five, which was change for all everybody, as everybody's usually working from eleven a.m. to one a.m. Yeah. So everybody kind of got a taste of that normal life uh, and being able to spend time doing other stuff. And once you once you realize the potential there, and it just makes life a little less stressful. Um, so everybody pushed pretty pushed pretty hard to make it the opportunity that it is now. And that's uh, the business that we're in: Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Michigan now, Illinois, uh, Tennessee, North Dakota. South Dakota, yeah. Wisconsin, Wisconsin uh, Kansas, Nebraska. Yeah, we have a count. Oh, we, have one account we have one account in North Dakota that's like up by the Canadian border. Yeah, so we're oh. going to visit <laughs> right by Saskatchewan. There you go. <laughs> uh, now we just we just started working with a new distributor. Um, it's kind of around the Chicago area, and their reach is, reach is pretty huge. So they get a bunch of crazy one-off accounts here and there, so... It's That's been kind of cool to see them pop up. We walk into the morning, we run that report for what they sold the day before. We did it today. It's always like, what state are we in now? Uh, so it's kind of yeah. cool to see that. So don't you That's think, exciting. though, that having done the restaurant thing, at least there's no what if. You know, you're not thinking, well, what it would have been like if we, you know, you know that that wasn't the path to go down. At least you explored that and know that was I don't think currently. We well, still want to go back to there's, it. There's, there's, there's some emotional ties to it for sure. And I mean... I think all of us love food so much. <laughs> um, I mean, everybody on staff, I mean, it's just it's all they've ever done. It's all they've ever known. They love it. And uh, we still try and do some pretty fun staff meals. And everybody still tries to wow everybody else in the company with their culinary skills, rusty <laughs> or not, when we get the opportunity. So, I mean, I, I think that it's kind of like a pie in the sky. It's always in the back of my mind is if this turns into the, the – snack food brand that we wanted to turn into like who knows in 10 or 15 years we're just going to be like hey yeah. let's do a restaurant now and 
they can have somebody else come in and run it and or be the chef and not have to work the hours. And so it's always kind of in the back of my mind. I think it'd be fun to go back and do later on, but you don't have to be the one staffing it. <laughs> yeah, doing the, the pressures off a little, mm-hmm. a little more. So tell us about the name Hen of the Woods. So where where has, was that going to be the name of the restaurant? Was that just a brand you guys came up with for? The chip specifically, or uh... no? That that was going to be the name of the restaurant, and that's a name that my wife and I came up with sitting on our couch in Fort Collins, Colorado. I think back in like 2005 or something like that. We uh, we were talking about possibility of opening a restaurant, and at the time we were considering, you know, maybe starting to look at something out in Colorado. Um, we actually ended up moving back to Ohio not too long after that, and our our intention was to uh, open like a white tablecloth, very fine dining restaurant, named after an ingredient, which out of the woods, it's a wild mushroom. It grows in uh, it's native to North America and Japan, actually, where it's called maitake. So that was another thing that we we thought we maybe one day we would have like a. A sister restaurant called Maitake, and it'd be Hand of the Woods and Maitake, little yeah. start of a, a little restaurant group. But yeah, when we moved back here, um, I got a job at Nicola's and uh, ended up being there for however long. And then I took the sous chef job out of the Quarter Bistro in Marymount, and that was right when the economy kind of tanked and. At that point, I was like, well, maybe we shouldn't open a restaurant right now. So we put the, the, the plans on, on hold and then picked it up about five years later. And, uh, you know, we, we went right back to the name Head of the Woods. We discussed maybe calling it something else, but it just, it was, it was, uh, it was stuck. So now we're the, the snack food brand named after a wild mushroom. So. Awesome. Everybody I think has. we're the only <laughs> snack yeah. food brand named after a mushroom. I can't, I can't confirm that, but I or think. even maybe even named after a food item. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are always like, "What does Hand of the Woods have to do with potato chips?" And I'm like, "What does a Lay's have to do with potato chips?" Yeah, well, what's a Frito? I, what's yeah. a Frito? What are and what are all these things have to do with potato chips? So what's a Pringle? That's awesome. Yeah, well, a lot of people we get somebody at a convention one time we were at thought because our logo has the chicken on it. They thought that it was chicken food. Um, ah. They were really upset to find they were, out that it was. <laughs> <potato chips. laughs> and then people all the time ask if they're fried mushrooms. That's a that's a big thing, which they're not. They are fried potatoes. So, yeah, the name definitely confuses awesome. people, but I don't think yeah, it's the bag less doesn't clear. Say. Uh, it says kettle chips. Yeah, people should know that. Come on. I love You'd it. be surprised if people don't know when it comes <laughs> to the food that they buy and eat. So That's great. Well, yeah, so you guys brought in some samples here. The packaging is beautiful. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, when you guys first started, it was just a blank bag with, like, a sticker on the front. Well, first we we were packing them in, like, brown paper tin Thai coffee bags. And my wife was handwriting the labels, and every single label, including the ingredients, the net weight, everything i would i would be like uh i need 260 labels to deny and she would be pretty upset <laughs> um <laughs> what she wouldn't get out the scanner and just get a printer i think we're not that high tech in my <laughs> house <right? laughs> oh my very analog um <laughs> but uh, yeah so eventually we, get. Uh, eventually we 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 did do that and then we we graduated from those bags and we went into clear bags um, that we were still hand packing and stickering. And at that point, I think a lot of people realized that, oh, these are actually chips and not coffee. So that was pretty cool. We saw our sales go up a bit. <laughs> yeah, we were in Cheapside for, I mean, it was the first account that we packaged chips for. And they, somebody came up to us long after this and they were like, we were telling them that story about the brown bags. And they said, Wait, that was the same thing? And they're like, yeah. They're like, I, I thought it was coffee the entire time, so that's why I never bought it. Oh, wow. It's like, oh, well, that's why you don't. That's, yeah. That's yeah, it. that's the thing you don't know. Yeah, because yeah. since day one, for you guys, they're always chips. Yeah. yeah. You know, you want to make it cool. Yeah, you just and, really uh, don't know what the consumer so sees. Th- so this is actually the, I think, the fourth or fifth different packaging that we've had in our short lifetime, so... So what all did it take to develop this? I mean, this doesn't look this doesn't look cheap and doesn't look easy. Um, <laughs> I mean, can I just get on? Uh, I don't know. 
Tanshipbags.com and a rep reaches out and they have this sweet design. That's definitely one of the, I think, probably the biggest hurdle that we've had to kind of overcome in multiple places is just like finding the connections for packaging and for boxes and like ev- all of those aspects of it are things that you really think about. And as chefs, we had places where we were buying like seasonings, but then when we started to get into the volumes that we were getting into and they having to make batches as big as we were making, then we had to figure out who, who are the seasoning companies buying the seasoning from. And like, you have to figure out how to climb up that ladder and yeah. climb the purchasing ladder. Um, to start getting actual bulk pricing, um, things like that. But the packaging took quite a long time. Um, the idea, Nick had always kind of had the idea of having the tree on the bag. Um, and we always wanted it to be, remain pretty artistic looking. So we liked the white because in this chip aisle, it's pretty like crazy vibrant colors. And I mean, everything's blue or yellow or green and it's all indicated by flavor. So you are kind of strangled a little bit with what you can do from a color perspective. Because if you make a sea salt chip of red bag, people are going to be super confused. They're like, that needs to be oh, blue. Yeah. Or is that there some kind of international yellow. symboling? Like sea salt is blue? <laughs> there, and, I mean, there's not. Yeah, it's, it's like, black. And, but it's, I got blessings over. But, Sorry, you, yeah. but you know, uh, you know when you look at that bag, the barbecue is orange. Um, this, 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 this is red wine. Uh, I'll do a red wine. So, yeah, wine so that's vinegar. the original. That's the original okay. flavor. But, but yeah, so we started working on the packaging with the same person that actually designed, helped finish the logo for us uh, many moons ago. And so she sent us a couple of different versions, and we really liked the hand-drawn look of the tree. And um, We made some changes in-house to it and tried to incorporate a little bit more color, but... Yeah, we finally found a packaging company. We actually use a local one, which is pretty cool. Our boxes are in Ohio. Our packaging's made in Ohio. Our products made in Ohio. A lot of our ingredients and stuff like that. So we try and do that as as often as it makes sense. But yeah, you got to buy so many bags. That was the next big shock when they send over like the minimum orders and like eighty thousand, and it's like eighty thousand bags of chips. Darren knows about that. <laughs> eighty thousand. Darren yeah. knows about minimums. Yeah. <laughs> But like for the first time that we were frying chips in restaurant fryers, uh, I actually had a catering company down and over the Rhine for a while. And Nick and Tristan at the time were coming down and using our fryer when we weren't using it. And they were like frying stuff there and seasoning it in mixing bowls and hand packing everything, weighing everything out by hand, uh, the whole process. But it was, uh, and then we finally found a contract manufacturer that was going to allow us to kind of have control of the product and use all of our own seasonings and we were actually using our own bringing our own potatoes at the time sourcing our own potatoes um, so that was pretty cool and first time we went wow. up there we produced they we just got plain white because we couldn't afford the the print plates or the cutting plates or anything so we just had like plain white film we were still stickering bags at that time but we got our first truckload essentially by truckload i mean toyota tacoma truckload um we had one skid of product it was like 35 cases it was only two ounce just little bags we sell and it was uh i think it was just sea salt or was it buttermilk as well no it was just salt just salt and we're driving down 75 coming back from dayton with a like ratchet strapped in the back of a truck and it's like a nine foot wall behind a pickup truck and cases came open Chips showered. Oh, uh, no. Not, not a whole rain. lot. Then it started to rain, and these are cardboard boxes. And we finally got it down to our shop and over the Rhine and, like, wheeled it in the garage. And So you saved most of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. only yeah. one case. It was only one, yeah. Okay. It was not that <laughs> catastrophic. But we, like, we get oh, no. it into the middle of the warehouse. start over again. And we've got the warehouse. It's not a huge warehouse. To us at the time, we thought it was a big warehouse. But it's, I mean, it's in the middle of the Rhine. It's not, not that big. And we put the one skid in the middle of the room and we were both standing there like, how the hell are we going to sell all these? What are we going to do? This is, these are going to, we're going to throw these away. We're not going to be able to sell all these. Um, and I think shortly after that was when we first started working with Eli's. Um, mm-hmm. And Eli's becoming a partner and they were selling our chips down at um, like Tuesday markets down on Strauss, the Strauss market down in Fountain Square mm-hmm. and a couple other events and I think they probably bought half of those from us, which is Oh yeah, well thanks. that was right before <laughs> awesome. that was right before I think Bunbury. 
and we I think we sold them like 10 cases on Friday and then they called me back on Saturday morning and they were like uh, can you get us 20 more of those cases today so I like went downtown and none of them were labeled or anything so printed out a bunch of bunch of labels went downtown started smacking them on bags and got them over there and yeah, and that yeah, that was awesome. that was good. That was like demand. Yeah, Eli's Eli's was our first uh, customer that was really moving some volume, like a ton a ton of pro- for us at the time. It was it was crazy. Yeah. So, and you guys have a similar path with you know them being a grassroots OTR mm-hmm. business, and now they're rocking out of the park. So they're helping helping you guys get off the ground. Oh yeah, uh, I love stories like that. That one. Was- that relationship was pretty instrumental and Elias continues to be. Yeah. Elias has always been just a great sounding board and kind of friend as well. I mean, we got questions about stuff and talked to him about things. And then he started going into grocery stores and Kroger. And so we were kind of working with his Kroger person within his company. Uh, so it's been a nice ongoing relationship of exchanging the limited knowledge and experience that we had to have in the, in the grocery world, at least. Yeah. So that rules. So you guys, all right, so you have a product that you know people like, and uh, so you're getting your packaging down, you're getting the, the flavors and whatnot. So at what point did you say, okay, it's time to get this stuff into Kroger? Like, when, do you, when did you know that you're ready? Because, I mean, you definitely don't want to go book a meeting and then not have your details down, not be able to produce their purchase orders, uh, mm-hmm. you know, get them out on time, all that stuff. You know, I mean, sometimes sometimes people veer the other direction because, you know, you don't get paid for 120 days and they, you know, binge over on the price and, and whatever. So what what, what kind of went into went into that? I mean, we're just like Kroger. That's it. Let's now, do it. The Kro- Kroger thing took a took a long time to to start to get traction with. First, we started working with a distributor who we still work with, a great partner of ours, Tiny Footprint. Um, they are a sister company to Green Bean Delivery, based out of Indianapolis. So Green Bean is their home delivery arm, and uh, Tiny Footprint is their retail arm. So we hooked up with them, and they got us into uh, a chain, a, a, a giant eagle chain called Market District. And we got into some of their stores up in Columbus. Um, and that was when we were still putting stickers on bags, which was crazy to us that, uh, an, a, like a big grocery store would actually take that. Yeah. But um, it's so different. It I mean, was, I think yeah, that's how it, it was really different. Like, wow, this is homemade. And, uh, so that was our first, like, gro- big grocery store account. And then we got into the, uh, Hyde Park Remke store. And then we, uh, a broker, uh, for Kroger saw our chips at Party Source and called us. And that was in like the beginning of 2015. Yeah. So and that's how long it took. It took to us almost Kroger. two years to actually get a meeting with Kroger. Wow. From that point. And then we hooked up with another distributor who was putting together this Ohio Proud shelf that went into 30 stores. And it was like this, this kind of strange bookshelf unit in the in the frozen food section at 30 Kroger stores um and it was a very weird mix of products so like there were these potato chips and then there was barbecue sauce and honey honey uh our friends from grateful grams uh they had their product on there but it was you know so and it's just this tiny little shelf and i mean but at the time he was like i'm gonna put you in 30 Kroger stores and we thought well, we did it. Yeah, we were done. Yeah. This is like, like where, what, what boat did we buy? Yeah. Uh, I mean, how, what else can we do? And purchase order comes over for 20 cases and you're like, what the heck? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, yeah, the first PO comes in and we were like, that's not going to be enough. So we called the guy back and we're like, hey, you need to up your order. That's not going to be enough product. This stuff's going to fly off the shelf. And he's like, oh, okay. Listens to us. Don't know why. He's been doing it for years. We hadn't. Yeah. Um, but he placed another PO. Um, and, yeah, it didn't go the way we thought it was going to go, um, and it didn't work out that great. We had the best thing it did was it allowed us, it gave us a reason to go into some of our local Kroger stores and actually start to make some relationships with store managers and with grocery managers, where like we weren't delivering the product, we weren't in charge of the product, so we weren't liable for anything, but 
we were able to go in and ask a lot of questions and try and learn some stuff. And from there, we pretty much decided that we were going to be able to handle that account better than that distributor was going to be able to handle that account. So we started working with Kroger to get our own distribution uh, permission. So we flipped that switch in the summer of 2017. Uh, we started delivering to just a small group of Cincinnati Kroger stores. I think initially it was like five or six or something. Yeah. Um, wow. So you guys packed the truck up? Yeah. Delivering no truck. Right I there. mean, these are like my Subaru, Nick's Tacoma, <laughs> Jason's Ford Explorer. I mean, it was just whatever whatever we could deliver products in. Another one of our guys has like a little Mitsubishi Lancer, and he's stuffing that thing to the gills, taking car seats out every morning when you get to work so you can put chips yeah. in there instead. So that, that was pretty interesting. Um, and all we ever really had was displays in all the stores. And what I don't think a lot of people realize is, like, it is pretty store to store. It's up to those store managers, like, if they want that stuff out there or not. So you might love a product and you might see it in your Newport Croker. You're like, well, why isn't this in my Hyde Park one? Why isn't that display here? It's like, well, maybe because that guy wasn't in a good mood that day. Um, and he's wow. like, get this stuff out of me. Get this stuff out of the store. Um, so it's very like store by store. And so we were on a store by store selling basis and us just ba- like scratching as many batches as we could for quite a few months um, and just trying to pay like way too much attention to all these accounts to keep everybody happy. And then we had our first like big Kroger meeting in September of 2017 um, and we presented to them and we knew we were going to get some of the Cincinnati stores. We thought we were going to get maybe another region or so. We ended up getting a good amount of Cincinnati stores, and that reset just happened in March of 2018. So Kroger Broker finds our product in February of 2015, takes us two years to get a meeting, and then after the meeting, still another six months before it's actually on the shelf. So, Wow. It's a slow burn. Yeah, and so that's (laughs) like you, you could present a product you made at your house to Kroger and if they like it you got six months to figure out how to get it to the shelf <laughs> so it's not it's not as quick of a turnaround as being like do we have all of these things ready will we be able to keep up we were just kind of like well let's just try and sell it and then we'll worry about making it later and that's how we've kind of approached it from the get-go we're really lucky to have the production partnership that we have on our on our chips it's up in Dayton so it's an hour drive for us to get use the facility um they're pretty relaxed about letting us run as much as we want, whatever we want. Um, and the integrity is not compromised. It still has all the same yep. ingredients and process. And yeah, all the all the seasonings and everything is that's we we do that in house. Um, so that hasn't changed, and that that's really what I what we think sets our our product apart from a lot of the competition. Um, and that's where we really take our pride is flavor, um, and developing. And, and that's where we get to kind of still hone our, our chefing skills, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like so. touch of smoke. We had like 26 different versions of before we decided on the final one. Man. Um, and it's just all in like little cups numbered one through 26. And it's like, I mean, it's as minuscule as like 1% less of the smoke flavor, or 1% less leak or 1% less salt. And, like, the difference and how you can pick it up and you can actually taste those little changes. It's pretty fun. We, we definitely geek out on that aspect of it. That's awesome. Um, yeah, you're like little chemists back there, huh? Yeah, some with, uh, we were working with a marketing company and they kept telling us that we need to put lab coats on. We're like, yeah, I don't know if we lab coats, but <laughs> my career has that, but I'm not wearing, I'm not wearing a lab coat. Uh, <laughs> Probably should. Yeah, so, so you talked about your, your competition. I mean, everybody knows all the chips they grew up with and whatnot. And you, you know, you look down that, that potato chip aisle. And, uh, so how, how do you guys, uh, separate yourself from the, from the competition or what, I mean, you talk about the, the natural side of things. Um, what kind of competition do you have as far as the natural stuff goes? Cause, I mean, because that's gotta be, there's probably more competition in natural than there is what we would call conventional. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the, Every every single aisle of Kroger is very crowded with. I mean, there's competition all over the food world, and 
you know, it's tough. I, I, we think our flavor and texture really set us apart. I think our bags look pretty unique on the shelf. Um, but in order for people to get to flavor and texture, they first have to actually buy the bag and, and open it and taste it. We try to do as many events as we can. We try to get into stores and do in-store sampling. But, you know, we'll be down at, at Oktoberfest and we'll be down at Cincinnati Holiday Market. Yeah, you, you know. guys had a huge uh, yeah uh, display we, there. We, we doubled it for this year. We're doing the biggest space they have in the building this year. Really? We, uh, we, we, we have a lot of fun with that show, actually. We, we randomly signed up for it the first year. You get so many people down there. It's, it's crazy. And we, it is like, crazy. We were blown away at how many chips we sold in a weekend. We were just like, you got to be kidding. And we yeah. just had like a tiny little 10 by 10. And and then last year we got a little bit big. We did like a 10 by 20 space and built this huge <laughs> display. And like our one of our corrugated companies that helps us with our boxes, like help put some stuff together, which was really cool. And we have like a Christmas tree that we do. And it's fun. And I mean, we, we selected the booth right across from the alcohol vendor purposefully oh, there you so go. that's fine so we were in good spirits the whole weekend um <laughs> nursing the sore feet uh, oh yeah that's that's but, cool. yeah lots of events stuff like that that's huge for us because we definitely see ourselves as a cincinnati brand and we want cincinnati to see us as a cincinnati brand yeah um i mean everybody that works at the company is pretty much a native or been here a very long time kids families everybody's raising raising their own families in the area so we want to be a cincinnati brand and just like you know your parents might think about mike sells um and how they've grown up on mike sells for like 110 years or however long they've been making chips Um, a lot of people think of hussman yeah like we want we definitely want people to start to think about head of the woods in that way and uh, that's kind of the brand that for sure even like take some sense of ownership I mean, people have been buying our chips since they were in coffee bags so it's kind of cool for somebody that's been buying it from the maybe the first time we ever packaged it maybe they were one of the first customers and now they're walking into a local Kroger store and they're like i'm the reason that these guys are here because i keep buying this stuff so that's pretty it's pretty cool to see it in cincinnati keep growing and just like every time we go talk to somebody and like, oh, I remember when you guys just started doing this or that. And yeah, uh, we'll do Kroger demos and people are, it's just cool to see people so excited for a local brand. Like for we sure. got into the Columbus market and it became like at one point we we're actually selling more chips in Columbus. Than we were in Cincinnati because we actually had some grocery stores up there and Cincinnati is a dominated by Kroger that if you're not Kroger, then nobody really knows who you are in Cincinnati. So, once we finally started getting some traction down here, it was it was cool just to see people recognize the brand and just be excited. Yeah. What uh do you guys have a clear cut demo as far as the uh, the ages of the people or is that all spread out? Um, <laughs> I mean, it is all spread yeah. out. I I the, our biggest demographic is whoever is doing the shopping in the household mostly. Yeah. Uh, but then but then also in the food service world. Uh, we're in a lot of like little delis, cafes, breweries, you know, Eli's barbecue. So that, that shifts the, the demographic a bit. Um, it's kind of all across the board. Fortunately, um, everybody likes kettle chips for the most part. Yeah, for sure. You do. That was one of our, our, uh, challenges. We started online mm-hmm. and then, yeah. you know, then we started doing some events and whatnot. And then we opened up our stores and it's like when that first store opened, I guess we thought we we're, you know, we we're making T-shirts for uh, the hipsters and the cool kids and whatever. And then we say that people come in and buy our shirts. We're like, wow, we totally misjudged who we're designing <laughs> well, for. The, the holiday, market, <laughs> the holiday market was a perfect example of that. Like we have been in like trendy restaurants and boutique grocery stores and like natural markets, and then we went and did this holiday market, which is pretty much all women between Old the ladies. ages of thirty-five and wheelchair yeah and generations and clearly they loved it because they bought all of it i mean it was so we were like oh i guess we have a uh, an older women demographic that we weren't really tapping into yet my wife's motto is i've never met a potato i didn't like so right there well you need to take some of these (laughs) definitely yeah (laughs) she was very anxious uh she was very excited that we were doing this podcast today she's so cool yeah so that was definitely uh 
a shift and that's like, you know, we're not marketing people and we don't have a marketing company that we're working with and we just try and wing it as much as we can, try and connect as much as we can with people. But obviously, like one thing we've noticed is every platform's different. Like our Instagram demographic is so much different than our Facebook demographic. Um, and even our Twitter demographic is so much different than the other two. So it's kind of cool to look at the stats on that and be like, oh, well, this one is dominated by men between the ages of 21 and 35. And this one's dominated by women between the ages of 30 and 70. And how, like, the one group, there's no crossover. Like, you don't get 22-year-old men on Facebook, like, commenting on stuff that doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, so, like, you have to, like, tailor that message. So this is what we're going to say on Facebook, and this is what we're going to say on Instagram, and Twitter, and all that kind of stuff. So you can try and tap into all the different revenue streams or demographics, but it's a lot of upkeep. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're just selling ships. Well, yeah, exactly. yeah. That's, so yeah, let's the, not take this too yeah. serious. Like, we sell snack food. It's fried potatoes. Yeah. And, like, people will ask us, like, are they healthier than others? And we're like, well, I mean, it's fried potato. Mm -hmm. So, like, once you get over the fried potato part, sure, yeah, totally (laughs) healthy. We're using real ingredients, but how healthy is a fried potato? Yeah. Yeah, so they're not, like, air fried or any. No. No. They are fried in oil. So, walk me through the process. I'm curious. There used to be the show on Food Network. I can't remember what it was called, but it was show how things were made. Sure. And by the third episode, you realize everything is put in a big vat and goes through a machine. Mm -hmm. End of story. But I'm curious about this. You said you talked about sourcing the potatoes. Do you go up to Idaho or wherever the potatoes are grown and make? Is there a potato broker that says, here are the potatoes we have? Mm -hmm. And then how do you decide what potato to use and what potatoes do you use? So, I mean, there's different potatoes are used for different for different things, okay. uh, chipping potatoes are lower in moisture content, uh, lower in sugar because when you fry them, uh, the sugars can over caramelize and, and you get a little bit of like a burned flavor. Hmm. And then in terms of sourcing, we they we start in Florida in the spring and basically end up in, in like the Dakotas, so it's it's very seasonal. And uh, it, it's pretty much farm to farm, state to state. You start in the south and head north. Um, Is it all the same kind of potato that you were mm-hmm. looking for? There's there's Two a kinds. couple different varieties. One's called an Atlantic potato. Huh. Another is called a Snowden. Neither of those are something that you're going to find in the grocery store okay. or, or like at a farmer's market. They're very specific chipping potatoes huh. because of that moisture and sugar. Yeah. And do kettle chips require a different potato than egg? No, I mean, it's the same thing. They're cut different, they're they're uh, treated different, and there's a couple different frying techniques. One is the kettle the kettle technique, and the other is called continuous. Uh, the continuous fryer, uh, frying, you'd find those in a conventional, like Lay's, for example. The really thin, yeah. long, yeah. mushy ones, those are continuous fried. So, uh-huh. so, yep. what, uh, so you guys are the natural guys. What are the... Uh, the Hussmans and the Grippos and all those, uh, the Pringles. Like, there's, there's nothing natural in a Pringle. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so what are these guys putting into our chips that we may not know? Or, you know, there, there's got to be some, uh, some shady stuff without being specific. We're not the, looking to slander well, anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, but, uh, there's a little bit. I mean, a lot of just preservatives um, is probably one of the biggest things um, that you'll notice. And there's also a lot of yeast products that they put in so one of them is called Tarula yeast and it's supposed to have like that umami flavor which they're trying to substitute for uh, MSG on Um, so MSG was originally an ingredient that just kind of got you hooked on things the flavor it's it's just a form of salt yeah and Uh. so now that that's so frowned upon uh, they use what's called Tarula yeast to kind of get that flavor, and we've never really wanted to do that. It's actually a byproduct of the paper industry, which sounds disgusting when you Ooh. say it. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, ours are definitely on the very very natural end. Uh, no additives, no preservatives, none of that. But the biggest thing is just, like, we're using, like, real authentic ingredients, and just, like, it's the same type of spices that you could go get in a grocery store. Um, we're not getting anything that like you can't go buy as a normal consumer to make our seasoning blends. But I think probably one of the most egregious things that I saw on packaging is obviously our red wine vinegar is like our staple chip. We use a red wine vinegar powder. Most on vinegar chips, 
use white vinegar, white vinegar, distilled, white, distilled, which is the same stuff that like you'd clean with. Yeah. So there's so our red wine vinegar chip been out for a while, and then a competitor came out with the red wine vinegar chip. Not saying that I think that we're big enough to influence the market in any way, but it was just kind of weird. They came out of the red wine vinegar chip. So you guys were the and, first red wine vinegar chip. And I we, can't. We can't confirm or deny that. No. And so <laughs> we look at the back of this bag because we were really interested. Like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, and we look at the back, and they were using balsamic vinegar, and then they were coloring it with beet. And I was just kind of like, well, that's not a red wine vinegar. Oh, it makes it red. And <laughs> so that was that was pretty Game special. Um, we were pretty surprised by that one. And we awesome. we kind of started saying after that, one of our marketing kind of phrases is read the ingredients, and you'll see that like on our boxes and all like our little cardboard units that we set up in stores. So yeah, there's there's some things that'll surprise you. Yeah. When does the flavoring, I assume, after they come out of the. Yeah, oil? so the process is pretty cool, and it's start to finish in like 17 minutes. So you'll have whole potatoes, they go up in this big hopper, I think it's 250 pounds at a time, and they get dumped straight into a slicer, and it's like a cylinder, and at the base it has like slicers that go all the way around in a circle, and it spins it really fast, and it spits it directly out into the fryer goes in the fryer, it's got big paddles in it to kind of circulate the potatoes, circulate the oil, cook it really even. Then it comes out and goes into a centrifuge, uh, which spins all the excess oil off of them. So our chips, while we don't say, like, they're reduced fat or anything, like, that is what makes a reduced fat chip a reduced fat chip, is it just spins longer and it gets more oil off. Ah. Um, So technically, if we were going to try and claim the chips were healthy, we could say that our chips are a reduced fat chip in that kind of way. But they come out of there, and then they go on a big sorting table, and then you'll stand there and pick out all the ones you don't like. Uh, and then they go on a smaller conveyor belt, and they go into a seasoning drum that spins one way, and then an auger that pushes like the seasoning up through a tube that spins the opposite direction and goes through there. Pretty quick process. Another conveyor belt up on top of this big scale that's got like 30 or so like heads on it, they call them, and they fall into these little pockets. And once it hits the weight that you set it on, it drops straight down through a funnel and directly into the bag. And uh, the bag is formed like in a half of a second. I mean, it's a flat sheet and then it wraps around a collar and then it gets pinched on both sides and heat sealed. Then you got a bag of potato chips. Nice. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. We were both pretty fascinated with it the first time we ever went up and saw like the, the main process and like, oh. All right, well, that makes sense. This is how you do it. Well, yeah, then we were like, well, we could do we're this. Hand we, could totally, labels. we could totally have one of these facilities. And we started, like, talking to manufacturers for kettles and all that stuff. We were going to make have our own kettle room. And then we were like, wait a second, that sounds terrible. Huh. That sounds like way too much work. Yeah. <laughs> we just want to sell it and make it taste good. So Yeah, you guys have already done the legwork. So what are your thoughts on, I know you said the re- a restaurant thing might be way down the road, but what about like the corn chip or some other kind of snack food? French Pop- fries. Pop- 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 you guys got the potato <laughs> guy on lock. Why don't you have some fries or some... Uh... We're, we're currently exploring some options. We're actually headed to Chicago next month to go to a sweets and snack expo to kind of meet some, meet some other manufacturers. And that's sort of where we are. Uh, we don't want to do the manufacturing. We don't want to. We don't want to own the equipment. We want to create a product and find a partner who can who can help bring that product to reality um, that already has the infrastructure. So we uh, we have some ideas in our head of what the what what some of the next things we're going to be. We're not going to. We're not going to share that with you today. Oh, no exclusive. <laughs> um, but, we'll come back. French but, fries. Yeah. Uh, you, just, it, it's just funny because you know how, uh, I mean, we've seen with the, like this first product launch, how long it takes to come up with an idea and get that to market. So we could tell you, you know, what that product is today, but it might not, you, you know, you might not ever see it for another year or whatever. And even then it's, you know, where, what stores are you going to find today? Yeah. So, but I mean, our definite pie in the sky goal is to, to kind of be in multiple aisles in the grocery store and for you to 
think about Head in the Woods the same way you'd think about it as another brand where it's like, oh, I like everything that this brand makes. This is they yeah. make they make great pizza dough. They make great sauce. They make great salsa. They make great blah blah blah. Whatever it is, and you kind of follow that brand because you know what they make. You trust them. You think that it's uh, you think it's good. You like you like what they stand for or whatever. Whatever reason it is that you buy that one brand, uh, we definitely that's that's the end goal I think for us. Um, was kind of goes back to the restaurant and market goal. I mean, the idea was that we were going to have this restaurant and then in the front we were going to have a market that was going to sell the things that we kind of made in the restaurant or that we were buying to use in the restaurant and just kind of like providing more opportunities for people to eat good food at home. And, um, uh, and to have access to the things that chefs have access to, which, and, and, you know, the, the prepared, like, think about like a, like what you're seeing online where you're buying a box of things that are for a prepared meal. Um, that was, that was one of the, the early ideas, which that's, that's sort of taken off. Not, not only in, in grocery stores, but also online. Yeah. But you like chefs don't, Chefs don't get their food from the grocery store, and they have access to to things that a lot of uh, consumers. I don't want to say normal people, but but <laughs> nor- <people>. but normal <laughs> people yeah. uh, don't don't just you just don't have the the access to that. You can go to the store and you can get get shrimp, you can get salmon, you can get you know this that or the other. But chefs have pages and pages of different seafood options that they can get overnighted from you know any any number of resources so it's uh that that was that was part of the the idea so now it's just kind of that on a bigger scale that's kind of how we're thinking about things now it's all right now yeah. do we turn that original idea and turn it into something where we can reach more people and more regions and more stores and more demographics and and at the same time, not have any clue what we're doing and trying to have as much fun as possible. Yeah, you're because still we winging have, it? No, we are winging it every <laughs> single day. Every day with all of our vendors, partners, production, all of it is still, all right, how do we fix this problem? I'm glad we're not the only putting ones. Out, <laughs> yeah, I mean, putting out fires and just, just I mean, trying to make the best of everything. Yeah. Just having fun with it. And So what happens tomorrow when uh, you get a call from Kroger saying that they're going to release it nationwide. Now do you have to go get another production partner, you know, in the, potentially the, I mean, the we West have a, Coast or something? We have or? a lot of room within our current uh, capacity to, to continue to grow. Um, Second turn, a huge order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We, we, we have a lot, of, a lot of wiggle room there. Growing out towards the West Coast, we would probably want to find a facility out west where we're not having to to ship anything, you know, over the Rockies. That's that's one thing Bags about yeah. They, <laughs> oh really? Oh no. yeah, they'll they'll oh, yeah. they'll explode. I, I took them on an airplane once and put them underneath the, the belly of the plane and got to my destination and there were just chips everywhere i was just, uh, i was in north carolina nobody tells you that i was at the wow. i was at the top of like uh mount pisgah and i took chips there i was like i'm gonna take some and i'm gonna take a picture at the top and it's gonna be cool on instagram <laughs> and i get up there and uh, i open my bag at the top and that's only like six thousand feet and that was popped it's already out huh? yeah so it's uh you don't think i'm not there's not like a manual anywhere yeah. on how to ship product across the country or how to take a product that you used to make in a restaurant kitchen and get it in a store in in Oregon. Uh, If you put on that lab coat, you would know that. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of times uh, in higher elevation places, they'll actually put like a little pinprick hole in in snack food bags to allow for air to escape. Like you go to a grocery store in, in Denver and all of the, the the snack food bags are like blown up like pillows. It's crazy, just that pressure. Huh. Yeah, so that wouldn't affect the freshness. I'm no, sure it wouldn't. No. Yeah. no, I mean honestly, like people open a bag of chips and they're this bag isn't isn't full. It's like, well, that's because the air is protecting the chips. You know, if if the bag was completely full, you'd have crumbs. So that's you know. 
They could, I think I've heard it referred to as a chip tease when you open a bag. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you feel like there's nothing in it, but that's, that's, that's on purpose. So are there standards as far as, uh, like this is a, a six ounce bag. Yeah, I, I know that, you know, Crippos, they'll put stuff in a box and you open it up and there's like a, you know, I guess that's more of the family, family yeah. style. And then you got the little snack version. There's no necessarily standard. It's kind of all over the map. Whatever I think works for that individual company. Um, I mean, this looks like the perfect amount. I mean, it looks like I'm getting a yeah, amount like of chips usually in here. there's like five to six ounces, usually like the what we'd call like the natural snack. So, like stuff fun at Whole Foods is kind of going to fall in that range. Um, but then you go to Kroger and then you get into like 13 ounce bags or eight and a half ounce bags or the pound bags that Grippos makes. And then we do have like the little single serve bags. We like the two ounce because. We thought it was like actually like our intention with that was not necessarily as like just a snack, but kind of as like a side because we were selling at a restaurant. So it was a side to your sandwich and you get like a one ounce bag of chips as your only side. And like, that's just not, that's not cutting it. You want more food than that. So we like the two ounce. We thought about shrinking it a while ago. We're not going to go on to, we're going to keep it at two. We might come out with a smaller one at some point in time, but. Until it's some business job. manager comes in and sure. says, we got to <laughs> cut 30 chips from every bag and sell yeah. for the same price. And then and people start opening those chips. That's like, about an ounce. The Twenty-eight. They, they say there's about 28 chips in an ounce. Really? Yeah. That's, well, that's what I'm it says. I'm sure you guys know. Bag, so. <laughs> but. Yeah. And you know, this much red wine vinegar costs this much and gives this much taste. And oh man, that's, that's, that's pretty crazy. But uh, that's exciting stuff. So, so you guys have a mascot now, right? Am I? Uh, <laughs> is, is that? Uh... It's something that we've been we've been toying with. Henrietta, she's a cartoon cartoon bird. She can probably fly. We're not sure yet. Uh, most chickens can't, but I'm pretty sure she can. Yeah. And yeah, we're you know we've been toying with that with that whole thing for a while and kind of starting to put put a plan together on on what exactly that means i've always kind of seen her as like part yoda part like keebler elf or something like that yeah and maybe maybe like a little bit of uh blanche devereux from the golden girls <laughs> <laughs> but then we also have our, our bagel costume which is which has been fun we one of our guys jason he worked at skips bagels many moons ago and the guy that owned that franchise of skip bagels bought this bagel costume and it's so, an everything bagel it's an everything bagel so oh, we have our nice. everything chip so we uh ah. we were kind of pounding on him for months to try and source this mythical everything bagel costume that he said existed um and then he provided us with photo evidence of his of its existence its existence and uh we relentlessly pounded him to try and make that happen and get that to us so we ended up trading just a crap load of chips for the costume oh, so you did get it <laughs> yeah so we did we did get it and like we'll just like randomly walk out of the front door down on main street one of probably the creative sketchiest things that we have to do all the time is unload our truck so we don't have like a big receiving dock or anything because hen of the woods was not built for that so we pull up in a truck in the middle of Main Street, usually between the hours of 5 p.m. or 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. when it's just already crazy busy out. And we have to pull up 26-foot truck, use lift gate, skids, it's pallet jacks, everything. We, like, set up a makeshift ramp from the street up onto the sidewalk of plywood so we can actually get the product into the garage. But we'll, the bagel will suddenly appear, and the bagel will do the loading and unloading. And nice. we'll get people across the street in Liberties that think it's pretty fun and take <laughs> videos and, and whatnot. But we want to get a chicken cut. We want to get the Henrietta costume. But custom costumes, man. Yeah. That's an expense, and that's hard to justify. <laughs> no doubt. Those things are those things are pretty penny. But what a relief, though, because at first you're stressing about, you know, buying a building, getting the plans approved, making your dream restaurant. Then you're making chips, and now... Everything's going well. Now you're stressing out about the costume for your chicken mascot. <laughs> I mean, that's t-shirts. That's first, pretty right? cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if you go to uh, 
CincyShirts.com, we just added Hen of the Woods as a partner on there. Uh, So you'll be able to get Henrietta on a t-shirt and, uh, you know, some other other cool stuff. So make sure you guys check that out. Also, every guest we have on this podcast, uh, we give the ability to uh, uh, throw out a phrase... Uh, word, whatever, and this phrase will be used uh, for a 20% off coupon code, good at cincyshirts.com, which they can buy on anything, but they can specifically purchase some Hen of the Woods t-shirts. Um, so is there any word that sticks out from... Uh, Friend of the Woods. Yeah. Friendship. 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 Yeah. Friendship. Yeah. All right. Friendship. So we'll make that available. You can type it in one word. Or two words, and both codes will work. Friendship. So, yeah, so Nick and Brady, uh, head of the woods, thanks for coming in, guys. Yeah, thanks yeah, for having thank us. You. And if anybody thanks. wants to see anything goofy on a shirt that they like, uh, just hit us up on Twitter, uh, Facebook, or Instagram, or you can email us through the website. But we definitely want to come up with some pretty weird stuff. And so, any ideas, We're any down cool for phrases, weird. Uh, any illustrations that somebody wants to do, if if we pick your stuff, we'll we'll give you a case of chips and a shirt so, and a shirt. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So awesome! So, yeah. Sounds like a contest. Right. I'm gonna sit here and stuff my face. We finish up these chips. Yeah, thanks guys. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Thanks for having us. Nick and Brady from Hen of the Woods, interesting stuff, right? And full disclosure, we are making their t-shirts now, but uh, even before I knew that, I could attest to the fact that those chips are proper. I ate almost the entire bag of chili con queso on my own, all right? And it's, uh, I like it because I like spicy, I like a jalapeno chip, but sometimes it's a little bit too spicy. Perfect amount of spice on that chili con queso. So anyway, uh, today's show was produced by me with some help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia, as a matter of fact. You can find them on Facebook, and of course, you can find that song on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you buy your music. So go get that tune. Uh, They're good guys for letting us use that as our theme. Oh, and also, speaking of iTunes, please leave us a review if you're listening to us in iTunes or wherever you're listening to us from. If they offer the chance to leave a review, please do. It's very helpful. Helps in the rank and helps uh, let other folks that used to be in Cincinnati or are from the area and want to listen to the show, it, uh, it'll, the show can find them, as it were. Uh, so anyway, find Vintage Tees from Philadelphia and other great cities like Cleveland, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Seattle, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. We just added some new designs for Philadelphia, Houston, Indianapolis, Portland, and Manhattan. We also added two new cities, Dayton and Boston. We are in the uh, process of adding... We've picked out some designs. We'll probably have about a half a dozen of those up very soon. Uh, it's been kind of a busy couple of weeks here. What with trying to get a new store open, and we had a couple of events that we did uh, here in town. So anyway, uh, but do check those out. It's OldSchoolShirts.com. And in case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is FRIENDCHIP. And we'll do that as one or two words, either one, your choice. And uh, that's good at both OldSchoolShirts.com and Cincy Shirts, of course, where you can get those new Hen of the Woods shirts and a bunch of other cool stuff as well. Zoo Babies, we have Zoo Baby t-shirts now as well. They're darling. All right, uh, you get 20% off your entire order when you use that code at either site. And again, if you're in the Cincinnati area, stop by one of our stores. We are in Over the Rhine at 1301 Main. We just moved down the street to that location. So stop by and say hi. We're just about a block from where the uh, streetcar lets off before it makes a left and goes back towards Vine Street and then back downtown. Uh, We are in Hyde Park on Observatory at the corner of Edwards Road. That's a block from the square. Loveland coming soon, of course. The contractors say we can move in June 5th. Darren thinks more like June 15th will be all settled in and ready to go. We will, of course, keep you posted. Uh, We're going to be neighbors, by the way, of Montgomery Cyclery and Plaid Records. We're in that same building there, so if you're familiar with the area, that's where we're going to be. So come by and say hi this summer. Uh, Download or stream us next time. Bye.
said goodbye I wish I said goodbye